Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake Kerr. Welcome back to the Black Ink Podcast. This is episode number 35. I would like to thank you for joining me. And whether you're joining me from Spotify or YouTube or fucking Apple Podcasts or Deezer or Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this or watching this, I want to thank you. Do me a favor. Jump across the other platforms if you have them. Like and subscribe. Help me out because I'm only doing like fucking 20 views on each platform. So I'm feeling a little bit fucking average. But look, not average. I just, I think I just feel like I'm at 35 episodes in. 45 minutes an episode and obviously doing them myself means that I literally feel every single one of those minutes. So I feel a little bit silly when I see the analytics and it says like fuck all views, but I know this is something that I have to do to get to where I want to be. So I just keep doing the fucking reps, putting in the work. Now look, a little bit of housekeeping. If I look like I've just woken up, I did. I didn't just wake up. I've been awake for about an hour, but it is, I thought I'd bring my watch here as proof. It is like fucking 20 past three in the morning. And I know that isn't like the best proof because it's just an analog watch and I can put it whenever I want, but why would I lie about that? You know what I mean? So a few things, if you see me kind of like uh, struggling with my voice and whatnot, it's literally because it's like not even 3.30 in the morning yet. I've woken up, I've had my water, said my prayers and done some fucking engage on Instagram, but essentially I'm still waking up. So please forgive the shitty face and the terrible voice. I'm just trying to muscle my way through this and man this is what it's about this is a great example about like if you want something just go do it right it's literally that simple because you know i didn't want to um you know i don't want to be up at fucking three three o'clock in the morning recording a podcast but it's it's so simple for me to make the uh like equation where i end up doing this it's so easy to come to this conclusion that it's like oh i don't have a podcast recorded for friday well, if it's Friday morning and it's not even four o'clock yet, that means that I can get it done and I can actually have it posted before five o'clock. So there's no other option but to go do it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> it's just like a, I see, you know, I, I say this to people all the time. I see what black ink is in the future and it's huge. There is no ceiling on it. There is nothing that kind of holds it back. Um, all I have to do is do all the things in between now and that, now and then, you know, and Obviously, I talk a lot about the decisions that I have to make for black ink and things like that. But I think one thing to realize is a lot of times, as I say, I don't know what the next move is, but I do know that there are, I don't know what the next big move is, but I think the thing with the sort of business that I'm establishing and also just like establishing anything from the ground up when you don't buy an ongoing concern uh, when it comes to business, when you're starting, when you're starting your own, own thing and you're trying to figure out what it is and what direction it's going to take. There are some things that you're just like, right, well, I'm going to do this every day and I'm going to see what happens, right? So with this, the goal was like, was I'm going to record a podcast as often as possible. And that has been refined to I'm going to record a podcast so that I have one to post every weekday. But <clears throat> even then, a couple of things is like, obviously the wiggle room of like, if you don't get a podcast recorder, or if you don't find that inspiration, or if you don't find um, the time that you need on that particular day to record the podcast for the next day, because that's obviously what I do is record them the day before, have them kind of banked up in my phone, remember what they're all about, post them the next morning and do all the bio and shit. The first thing is like, obviously don't knock yourself about if you don't meet that goal. But also the second thing is do everything within your power to make sure that you fucking are doing what you can to get to that goal. Which basically means like if you can be, like if you wake up early every morning, like like me right now, wake up early every morning between 
you know, two o'clock and five o'clock, I'm doing all my engaging and my posting and figuring out everything I want to do on social media for the day and getting myself ready for the next day as well. Uh, if you've got 45 minutes in there where you can record a podcast and you don't have one recorded, then go and record the fucking podcast. Then you go, oh yeah, but it's three o'clock in the morning. How good's the content going to be all the rest? Like, you know what the answer is? I don't fucking know because I've never done it. And look, if I record 45 minutes and I look back and go like my eyes, the bags under my eyes look like pure shit. I wasn't really making full points. I don't like my voice at three o'clock in the morning. That's very well and good. I learned something, you know? But also, this is the thing. I didn't learn that I'm not good at doing podcasts at three o'clock in the morning. If that was the case, the thing that I learned is that coming into it with absolutely no preparation, you know, like not, you know, maybe it means if my voice was shit that I need to drink a heap of water and maybe have like a, what do you call it, like a butter menthol or something on the go before I start the podcast. It doesn't mean don't record podcasts at three o'clock in the morning. It just means figure out a way to make it work, you know? And I feel like even that, I know I've spoken about this before, that, you know, your job is to be a problem solver. It's not to find problems. And this like, if you want to trace this back to, it's like most organic sort of thing. I always find, I always found that in situations when I was an employee, I found so much more, um, I want to say like enrichment. What's the word? I found so much more. If you go to your superior with a problem, I'm like, oh, I can't do this because of this. You know, I can't do this job because this thing's broken. Well, it's all they're going to do is tell you a way around it so that the job gets done. You know what I mean? So if you go to your superior saying like, oh, this is broken, but I think this is how we could fix it. Or this is broken, so I've taken it to this person to get fixed. Or, you know, like this is broken, so I'm going to use this for this job instead. You know, it's always like come to the boss with a solution, not just the problem. You know, only ever, and like this all, I, <clears throat> I think this actually goes back to, I just, I thought about this just now. This goes back to, I remember my dad used to own a business for like 10 years in a, he owned like a contracting business in a, in a mining company. And one of the, oh, this is what fucks up my throat. Hmm. Now I think about it. Joe Rogan went for years drinking coffee and like clearing his throat all the time until like, I remember he actually brought it up on his podcast. He's like, it's just coffee, you know, makes the fucking back of my throat go all like, you know, collect heaps of shit. So I always got to clear my throat. Maybe it's the same for me. Anyway, dad used to own this business and he used to get like literally, literally, this isn't like an exaggeration. He would get a hundred, 120 phone calls a day. And I remember him saying to me, like when people would call him, generally it was for nothing. It was literally just to say, to, to say something that was like, so, uh, what do you call it? Like, bottom feeding information. It wasn't like it was, hey, there's this massive thing and we need your input because you're the boss to make the right decision, rah, rah, A lot of the times they were just calling up to, you know, ask cover themselves. And I remember him telling me like, he wasn't telling me, it was one of those things where he was talking to me as if I was one of these employees making these pointless calls. And it's like, if you're going to call me, make sure you've exercised every possible option and outcome before you call me so that when you call me, you're calling with information. Only call if you absolutely have to. And I remember like when that first, when I f first like learned that, I kind of said to myself like, that kind of hurts me a bit because like the reason that I call you is because I don't know and I want the answer. But also it set me up for this position where I was going to take on responsibility, which meant that, you know, the boss is giving you the option to explore the problem solving before you give him the problem. 
And this is the thing. This is you, you say to yourself when you're young and you've got a supervisor or you've got a boss or whatever. It's like, I've got a boss because I'm just a number. I'm just doing the work, rah, rah, rah. And a lot of times, I will I will admit this, a lot of times, especially in today's day and age, you are just a number. You're not paid to make, to make decisions or to figure out problems or to do all the rest. But if it's within your capacity, why the fuck wouldn't you give it a shot? You know, why wouldn't you try like, okay, before we call the boss about all this, what can we do? Can we, can we fix this problem? Can we not involve the boss whatsoever? Let's make a little game out of that sort of thing. I remember by dad saying that, it gave me that key to accepting the responsibility. And like, this, this is a thing. This is like, this is the thing about being human. What I'm talking about when I say the key to accepting responsibility, it's not like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm a responsible adult and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to solve these problems, to not make that phone call. So I impress my dad. Not at all. I had the key. I unlocked the door and it took a little step through and then it took me years to hone in that ability to accept responsibility and also to understand situations and make really good decisions. This is a thing. We don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes because we literally haven't been in enough situations to build that situational experience that we need to have the skill of being able to make a decision in the moment that's not only the right one, but the most like evidence and information backed one so that we can have a positive outcome. You know, I think it does take, it's kind of like, I was, I was thinking of this um, analogy earlier this morning. I know you don't get much earlier than fucking three o'clock in the morning, do you? But what I was thinking is like, you know, oh, it sounds really cocky no matter how I say it. It's kind of like, you know, the first time someone, you know, you go back to when you're a teenager or early twenties or whatever, the first time someone kind of shows interest in you. I was going to say of the opposite sex, but maybe it's of the same sex, whatever you're into. Someone for the first time in your life shows interest in you. It's really hard to manage that feeling. It's like this person's into me. All of a sudden you're like, well, if they're into me, I don't want to say anything that's going to make them not into me. And if they are into me, what 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 do they possibly think is like attractive about me? And, and like, am I into them? And if I am into them, then it just adds so much more pressure into it and all the rest. But then you get to a point where like one day you're 28 and someone says that they're into you. I'm not saying this happened to me. I'm just saying like if someone said that they're into me right now, I'd be like, you know, that's cool, man. That's cool. And I'm not saying because I've had hundreds or thousands of people say that they're into me, but I've had that situation of like infatuation and intoxication of another person that now it's just like, oh, cool. That's just someone who has that feeling at the moment, you know? And if we we cross-reference that to like having situational um, dilemmas where you... What's the word? Situational dilemmas where you have to take into account all the elements and all the, you know, all the parts, all the pieces of the puzzle and then rearrange them to figure it out to get a solution. The first time you're in that situation, you're probably not going to do that well. And that's okay. And the first like the, the first 20 times you're in that situation, you're probably not going to actually like you learn all the theoretical shit, but the practical application of these things, you're probably not going to be able to put things into play as quickly as you want. And you probably a lot like those first 20 times you come out of them retrospectively looking at what just happened going like, Oh fuck, if I could have this again, I would have done this, this and this different. But then it takes years and it takes dozens and dozens and dozens of fuck ups, especially like these problems where you obviously I'm talking about problems where where you're in a situation where you would need to call the boss to get out of it. The first 20 times you don't make that call, you probably should have called the boss to get out of it. But the fact is you need to have those first 20 times. You need to have those first 50 times and those first 100 times. And in all honesty, I needed to have those first 1,000 times before I got to a point where I can give myself the like responsibility of being the boss of black ink. This is the thing. Like When you take that plunge 
that, that leap or that fucking step into actually being self-employed and having your own business and all the rest, one of the biggest things is you're taking on the responsibility of not only being your own boss, but the boss for the thing that you're starting, right? So this means that not only all the decisions that you have to make for the business are super essential now, it's all the decisions you make for yourself because now you're now the boss and the fucking top 10 employees. You know, like you're the person who's like, for me personally, like I'm in charge of production, I'm in charge of marketing, I'm in charge of advertising, I'm in charge of socializing, I'm in charge of communication, I'm in charge of finance, I'm in charge of my personal life. So when I'm making all these decisions, I'm making the decisions for the business and I'm also making the decisions for myself. And a lot of times, as I'm saying, when I was working for someone else, and when I was put in these times of like, right, we now have a situation, we're going to rely on you, or we're going to put some sort of responsibility on you. And also we're going to give you the permission to problem solve. It was like, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is doing it on someone else's dime definitely sharpens the sword before you have to do it for yourself. And this is the thing. A lot of people are trying to start their own shit. And I'm going to use an easy example of, of referencing people that are trying to do essentially what I'm doing, which is making an online brand, having a website, having and not even having a website, just having clothes for sale on the internet that they think they produced or whatever. I think a lot of people can't execute that goal because they haven't taken responsibility for as much as they possibly can in the jobs that they've already got or the jobs that they've had in their past and being able to apply the things that they've learned from that into their own thing. Because this is the thing, like I remember a really good mentor of mine, and I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast, but a good mentor of mine said like, we're talking about trust. When you have, when you're an employer and you have employees underneath you, I said to him, how do you have this trust that your employees, like you've got to hire, like you get to a certain point in business where you've got to hire people who are heaps smarter than you, right? In their particular fields. And I said, well, how do you trust that these people that are heaps smarter than you in their particular fields are going to work for your business and not try and swindle some way of either like starting their own business in the exact same area or trying to siphon funds out of your business in their area of expertise or siphon clients, or whatever it might be. How do you trust those people? And he said to me, the reason is because most people can't execute. And at first I thought, well, that's not really giving, giving people enough fucking, what do you call it? You you're not really giving people enough uh, credit there, I think. But the thing that I learned, the more that I watched, is that people don't have execution skills. And that's fine. A lot of people don't have a lot of skills that they wish they had. And the thing about skills are it's an exercise to get them better. You know, the first, like, the first time you do anything, you're meant to be shitted. I think that's really important. I remember Ari Shafir saying once, the first draft of anything is fucking terrible. The whole idea is you get something and you build from it right? And even the art or the skill of execution is exactly the same. The first time I did a podcast, I made a heap of fuck ups. This is podcast number 35. I'm still making a heap of fuck ups. But the point is I'm continuing to execute. So I'm getting better and better and better. And when we cross reference this back to how people see their own jobs and how they take on the responsibility of what they could be taking on or what they should be taking on. I feel like a lot of the time people don't realize that they're not good executors. They might have all the great ideas. They might have all the ambition in the world, but they never pick up their shovel. They never pick up the camera. They never pick up the thing that, you know, that they see the thing. They almost know subconsciously the thing that they should be doing next, but they don't do it because they're not good at executing. It's not even that they're not good at the particular job that's required. They're not good at starting things. And sometimes they are good at starting things and they're not good at finishing them. And this is just one of those, like you... 
oh, sorry. I feel like people, I don't want to say people, like, I, I don't even know why I don't want to say people. I don't, I just, I, I feel like a lot of potential entrepreneurs or like a, a lot of people who have the potential to do so much more. The thing that stops them at the start is the actual execution of the thing that they think that they're doing. And then you get to a certain point where like, I mean, I found even where Black Ink was operational eight years ago, when I say eight years ago, I'm talking about when the coffee van was running in general. The biggest thing that I lacked was execution. I had all the good ideas in the world. Shit, I was even kind of semi-popular. I think I was more popular back then than what I am now because I was a bit younger. I was more ambitious. People didn't have all the backstory of what Black Ink was. They were hearing about it or seeing it for the first time. And it's like, I was right at the finish line and then not lunging. You know, like I was right there. All I had to, and when I say right at the finish line, I don't mean like end of the day business. I mean like right in the finish line as far as doing the things that I needed to do there and then to propel Black Ink forward. I was right there and still didn't do it. You know what I mean? I wasn't taking advantage of the fact that there was 24 hours in the day and I could do anything I wanted in those 24 hours to generate money. Instead, I had the mentality of like, right, the job that I have takes up between this time and this time during the day and then I have the rest of the day for myself. Now I have the mentality that black ink takes up from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. And if I'm lucky, hopefully I get to dream about it as well, right? That's the, re that's the reality of execution. Nothing, no job, no task, nothing that you can imagine is too scary or something that you're not looking forward to if it is involved with propelling your business forward. That is execution, right? And I find that these people have these great ideas and you talk to them, they even have the enthusiasm and the passion to make it happen. Then you see them six months later and still nothing's happened. It's like, it's not because it wasn't a good idea. It's because they got too scared to pull the trigger. And again, we go back to this thing. If you've been keeping up the last three days, especially, don't put the bullet in the gun if you're not going to pull the trigger. And for me, if you're going to talk to me, especially the position I'm in now with Black Ink, because cutting the shit like, uh, you know, I don't... I don't <clears throat> I appreciate everyone who, who um, is paying attention to all the rest. It doesn't really matter what you think about Black Ink because I know it's going somewhere, right? I've put the bullet in the gun. I've cocked it. I'm aiming it. I'm ready to pull the trigger and I'll pull the trigger at any time. I don't have any fucking hesitation in doing whatever it takes to do for Black Ink. You know, I have that confidence to know that it's going to be something one day, so I'm already there. But if you're going to talk to me about your business, if you're going to talk to me about your great, and not even business, if you're going to talk to me about your idea or the prospect of something you're doing, going to do in the future, for me, you're putting the bullet in the gun. You know what I mean? If you're talking to me, talking to me about some great idea, I'm already in overdrive trying to take your idea into consideration and look at any possible option where I can. And this is the thing, because I'm not having a conversation to waste time. If you're having a conversation with me about business, I'm gonna take it upon myself that if I can get any sort of great idea that I can pull out of the fucking infinite awareness and intelligence and give it to you for free, that's what I wanna do. You know, so if you're gonna to talk to me about your business and oh, I wanna do these prints and I wanna do that prints and all the rest, if you're talking to me just because you know, you're talking to me about that because you know that's what I'm into and it kinda of creates room for a conversation, Honestly, go fuck yourself. As soon as I tap into that, I'm not interested because you're not busy executing. You're busy wasting time and filling air with your words that don't mean anything. <clears throat> but if you're dead keen and you have a good idea, I'm keen as fuck to hear it. And I'm keen as fuck to give you as much as I possibly can. Furthermore, I'm keen as fuck to see you execute the idea. And that's what's really important. Like I feel... I don't know. I feel sometimes a little bit let down by the people who have these good ideas and have all this potential and you can see it, you know, like people who I know, you know, speak really well on camera and people who have these great thoughts and these great ideas. And it's like, why don't you just record 
one thing a day and put it up on the internet, put it up on YouTube, put it up on Instagram, put it up on Facebook, let the world have it and see what it turns into. Oh yeah, but cool. You don't have the, the, I'm sorry, I'm struggling with fucking burping and this coffee and all the rest at the moment. Let me catch my breath for a moment. But I definitely like, there's something to execution. There's something, there's something to problem solving as well that I feel like there is this ledge that you get to or like, no, not a ledge. It's, it's almost like with problem solving, you get to a certain point where it turns from like a responsibility into a hobby. Like I feel like I'm always, it's a difference between the sort of person who will like wash the dishes because they have to wash the dishes compared to the person who like, washes the dishes, wipes down the bench tops, cleans the inside of the sink, maybe wipes the top of the benches that they haven't wiped for a while. They dry the dishes, they put them away. You know what I mean? They take on every single possible responsibility related to the task, knowing that the task is done completely correct. And this is a the thing. Then that starts to apply to this job and that job and that job. And, that. and sure enough, we know that that saying that how you do anything is how you do everything then becomes extremely applicable because you start looking around and every job that you've done, every job that you've been involved with is done perfectly or it's done to a standard that you've set. And the, it's now not a responsibility to maintain that standard. It's a hobby. It's fun because now you've reached excellence in washing the dishes. You want to reach excellence in making your bed. You want to reach excellence in fill in the blank. And then that fills a whole way up to like, Oh, dude, I want pure fucking excellence for my business. I don't want anything less than the best possible outcome for Black Ink. So if I do every single little job with complete 100% focus and attention to making sure that that job is done to the best of my ability, then I can say that if none of this works, that I gave it my best shot. That's what that actually means. And people, oh, it drives me crazy when when... I keep on saying when people, and look, I don't know who these people are that I'm talking about. I'm probably just talking about analogies in my head that I use to fuel myself into angry states, but whatever. But people who say like, you know, I gave it my best shot and I didn't. Most people I feel like they don't know what their best shot is. They don't know what giving it 100% is. And like I said on, on the podcast the other day, like unless you've been like an athlete or something, you don't even know what your body's capable of. Like you don't even know what real pain is. You don't know what real self-inflicted struggle that you have to pull yourself out of is because you've never had to do it. And I feel like these people that say like, oh, well, I gave it my all and it didn't quite work and right, right. Would you try for a year? Try for your whole fucking life. That's giving it your all, you know? I feel like if you're someone who truly gives it your all, you're someone who solves problems. And by saying that you gave it your all and it didn't work, you're coming to me with a problem instead of a solution, you know? Like... I would like to think that if I said to you, like, you know what, black ink just didn't work. And this is the thing. I used to say, like, when people asked me for, like, four years, I would get it at least probably once a month. People saying, like, oh, why didn't you do something with black ink? Why didn't you follow the clothes and all the rest? And I'd say, oh, you know, just fill in the blank, X, Y, and Z. I, the, basically, the answer that I was giving them was, I'm no good at executing. I don't have that faith in myself. I can't imagine what that would be if it was successful rather than if it was what it is right now, you know? And that's why, I mean, obviously what I'm saying out loud right now is the thing that I dislike about other people is the part of myself that I see in them when they say that they tried their hardest or that they think that they're good at executing, but this still just didn't work. I'm seeing that part of me that was failing in black ink, essentially, I see that in them and that's the part that I don't like. I feel like people like to say things that they hear on TV shows and movies that kind of give them validation in the moment and then 
use that as an excuse as to why they're not doing so well. And I feel like that's something that I definitely did. You know what I mean? Like I would say things thinking that the point of life is to replicate these kind of cinematic, beautiful moments or ugly moments in movies and being able to share those moments with other people in life. Like I honestly, for the longest time, would try and do that with my life. And then when I found that there's no depth in that, that when you say like, oh, you know, I gave it my all, but I fucking, you know, wasn't any good. Black Ink wasn't really a winning thing. Then you start to go like, no, that's not the case at all. Black Ink has heaps of potential and still does. So much so that four years after the fact, I started back up. And now eight months after that, I'm fucking not booming, but I'm doing pretty fucking well, you know? So then it says like, well, hang on. All that shit you said about like Black Ink not having any potential and all the rest. Were you talking about Black Ink or were you talking about you? You know, or were you just saying something for the sake of saying something, which is okay, which is okay. It's not a good thing. But if you can admit that that that's what you did, that that's what I did, then obviously I've got nothing but fucking forwards to go from here. So when I hear people saying like, oh, I gave it my best shot, but I just couldn't quite do it or it didn't have the legs or all the rest. It's like, man, I'm going to fucking bet the house that you didn't really try that hard. And that's okay. It's actually really fucking hard to try hard. So don't like beat yourself up for it, but also don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. Look how fucking deep I've gotten to an analogy that I made up in my own head with you just now. This is why you don't record podcasts at fucking quarter to four in the morning, you know, but enough about execution and all the rest. If you're going to take anything out of this podcast, if you have an idea, do something about it today. It only has to be small, but do something. And when I say do something, you got to actually do it. That's part of the whole fucking thing. But moving on, tell what's interesting is this fucking grand final. I can't believe that WA is getting so crazy about this grand final and there's not even a West Australian team in it. Like, I don't, I don't really care about football. And I know that's going to upset a lot of Australians because Australians seem to fucking jerk off to it in their spare time. But I don't understand how you can, just because it, like, it is normally played over there and now it's played over here, even though there's not even like... I don't know. I know there's like supporters for every team out there, but I feel like there's like major teams and minor teams. And I'm probably fucking speaking completely uneducated here, but it seems like the two teams that are playing, which I know one of them is the Demons, I think. Like, that's how much I don't... I don't know who, who the who the other team even is, but I feel like they're not really that important, these teams. Like, obviously, they're good enough to get to the grand final or whatever. But I would understand if West Coast was playing at the Optus Stadium that everyone would get fucking crazy, but they're not. I don't understand if the Dockers, I would understand if Collingwood, I would understand if fucking whatever. But I've literally got friends who, and sorry, side note, we're having a fucking housewarming party the same day of the grand final, which is, you know, hours and hours after it finishes. And we've got like a good section of friends that just aren't going to come because the grand final's on. And like, they don't have tickets and their team isn't playing, but they still want to go. Oh, it doesn't make sense to me, but I just fucking bizarre to me that people are going that crazy i think there was like a ten thousand seat allocation there was one hundred and eighty thousand people trying to get tickets it fucking blows my mind that blows my mind but hey what do i know you know what i mean what the fuck do i know i'm just an ex fucking inline speed skater that now has a clothing brand and a podcast don't take my opinion on a dude football doesn't even make sense to me like i totally get it this is the thing football is only football's interesting and if if you're coming from overseas i'm talking about australian league football afl australian football league yeah which is where they are allowed to like bounce it and kick it and handball it and do all the shit and they got teams and all the rest 
It's literally just because it's like the Australian game that people get so hyped about it. It's one of those things where like, I'm, I don't think they play it anywhere else in the world. And on top of that, it's only because like somewhere in the human spirit, we want to have like an us in them. We want to have a team that we support and something to get behind. And therefore, football is like something that's just like nice and easy and organic to get into. Because a lot of the times, like the players, like... Everybody, I feel like everybody in Australia knows at least like one player somehow personally. Probably not everyone in Australia. That's a bit, a bit brash. What I'm saying is it's, it's like really easy to have these like um, star players because a lot of the times like, you know, like I've been to uh, Sticky Fingers. I, I watched Sticky Fingers play here in Perth and like ran into an AFL player. And I don't want to mention who it was for the sake of like, for the, for his sake, but we started like smoking cigarettes together and hanging out and all the rest. And people kept asking for photos with him. And we got to a certain point. I'm like, hey man, like why are people asking for your photo? And he goes, oh, I play for the Dockers, rah, rah, rah. I was like, oh, very good. Very good. Anyway, cool story. We ended up back at the court and he, I just remember this, this is such like an interesting part of the night. Like for some reason, like he took a shining to me. We started hanging out. It was fucking cool. And I remember at one point he came back to the seat and he had eight drinks in his hand and he put them all down and I'm like oh who are these for he goes oh they're for you and me and I said oh yeah of course you know because I drink four drinks at a time anyone who knows me well knows that I don't I basically don't drink and he goes these are for you and me just so we don't have to go back to the bar and I remember like looking up at the bar and there was maybe four people at the bar and I was like you know what I fucking I like your style more to the point the bar then got fucking flooded with people and we were sitting there with like fucking eight drinks you know so I don't know, might be some seen into the future sort of shit there. But to the point, I feel like everybody knows uh, an AFL player somehow. And if they didn't, like, it's like even like, I'm pretty sure I went to school with a couple like, a couple blokes that are now AFL players. You know what I mean? It's like you always have some sort of, it's kind of like people have that little tie into celebrity and stardom and fame. So therefore, it's so much easier to like get passionate about going for that team because you're like, oh, I fucking know that cunt. Or even if like your team is playing against them, then it's, I get, it's that whole relatability thing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's heaps easier to support the thing that you have some sort of ties into, but Again, this is one of those situations where like I completely remove myself from it and looking at it as if I'm an alien, it's like, okay, so there's these group of people here and these group of people here and a ball in the middle and they play over it and scuffle over it and all the rest and then just these 15,000 people all sit in an arena to watch them do it when in reality, in reality, it's a heaps better experience to watch all that shit happen on a screen in your home. And obviously 2021, you can literally get screens that are that big and you can sit that far away from them and you can see exactly what's going on. And there's cameras that are so fucking powerful. that They're like shooting from the side of the field, getting these perfectly high definition pictures of these guys playing the game. But yet people still go to watch these little ants run around on a field and kick a ball around and like yell when the fucking ball goes through the goalpost. Like it it doesn't make any sense that people are going to pay huge amounts of money to go and watch two teams that aren't even local to the state play a game that is really hard to fucking watch from a distance to get overpriced drinks and overpriced food and struggle to get parking and struggle to get out of there when it's done. It's like literally for what? To impress the other people who are into football? What? What? Dude, you got to put it on your story and say, yeah, AFL grand final. Like, what are you doing, cunt? Honestly, I just think like, I, I like, I had a situation like this where 
uh, mate and I were going to go to the UFC in Melbourne. I remember saying to him, like, oh, what we'll do is we'll get our tickets, we'll get the fucking behind the, yeah, I think it's like a gold ticket or something where you go and meet the fighters and do all the shit, like pay all the money to do the thing, you know? So we're going to get tickets, we'll get the, the, the behind the, what is it, backstage fucking pass, we'll get airplane tickets, we'll get the Airbnb, we'll do all this shit. And it was going to cost something like, it might have been like two and a half thousand dollars each for a weekend, right? So two and a half thousand, five thousand dollars for two people for three nights, right? When you that's that's no food, that's fuck all. That's just getting there, going to the UFC, doing the thing. And we're about to do it. I think we're we're on the fence. It was like still fucking, and it was the one that Izzy won in Melbourne, just like a year ago or two years ago, whatever it was. I remember we're like, a fa- we're like a fair bit out, but we're like, okay. If we're going to make the decision, we've got to make the decision right now because everything's only going to go up in price. So we set ourselves, say it was like a Monday, we're like, right, by Friday, we're going to make the decision. So I'm around there and we're fucking talking about it. And we're saying, you know, it'll be real. And like, this is the thing, when you're talking about it, you're hyping each other up because you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. And we'll go here in Melbourne, we'll go there in Melbourne. We'll fucking do this, that, and the other. And then you, and then we got to a point where it's like, well, if I had two and a half grand and say we stayed here and we watched it on the TV... We could spend $500 on food and get everything we want under the sun. We could spend another $500 on drugs and do everything we want under the sun. We could spend another... Sorry, I just had a very sleepy little Louie come to the door with her, like, uh, scruffed up hair. And I just had to, like, put her back to bed. But the point was, uh, we had, were faced with this... Uh, we were faced with this decision, like, do we spend this $5,000 together on going to fucking Melbourne and seeing the UFC and doing all the rest... Or do we just like keep our money and stay home and watch it on like get your pay-per-view, which is obvious. I don't even know if it was a pay-per-view event, you know, whether it was a free. No, it probably would have been a paper, pay-per-view being style banner. Anyway, point is we end up staying home and watching it on the screen and got like fucking a hundred bucks worth of dominoes and, and KFC and shit and just like pigged out and fucking had a great time. And then thinking about it, it's like. Okay, so we definitely would have would not have been like ringside, obviously, because that's fucking stupid amounts of money. So we would have been like where sort of thing. Like you start figuring out where you would have been in the grandstand and what sort of view that would have been. And also like, you know that you need to piss right as the main card starts and just all these stupid little things. You come to a point of realizing like the best possible experience we can have isn't being there at all. Like obviously it's one of those things where if you're super into the sport, maybe do it once or twice, or if it's a thing where like your, you know, if your favorite fighter is fighting, you know, it's like, well, obviously I'll go fucking watch that. If your team is playing in the grand final, it makes sense to go and watch that, but it doesn't make sense to fucking squabble over these tickets and make a whole like, and you know that that day is just a head fuck of a day from start to finish, just for the sake of saying, being able to say that you went to the grand final. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to me. And when people like literally like, if anyone knows where I can get a ticket, I'll give them my fucking car. I'll give them this crazy thing. It's like, dude, just fucking chill. You know what I mean? Just like in- enjoy it. <laughs> like just go and watch it on the screen at home. And also like come to my housewarming. It's all good. It's all good. But it is what it is. It is what it is. But yeah, I find that the whole football thing for me is a little bit... Honestly, I don't know why it's lost to me. I kind of wish I, I had to play football. And maybe that's what it is. I didn't play football as a kid. So therefore, it doesn't really, like, it doesn't really resonate with me. And I'm kind of disappointed because now I know, like, my athletic athletic ability with speed skating. I think the, the biggest thing I take away from, and if you're unaware, I used to do, I used to do heaps of speed skating for, like, 10 years. Ended up living in Europe 
right racing and training for a year when I was 18. And when I look at, I started doing that when I was 10 years old. Was I 10? I might've been like 11 when I started skating. And then I was like, yeah, no, I was 10. Sorry. I've been skating my whole life, but properly I started skating when I was about 10. And I remember, I remember having this like moment where I realized as an adult that if I had have just translated that like those athletic abilities it's like my endurance my stamina my balance and all these things just to like any sort of normal run-of-the-mill run-of-the-mill sport I probably would have been completely different if I had been able to apply what I did in skating to like football this would all be different because I think it's there was something in the abnormality of skating and also in the fact that it is such an unusual sport that has kind of formed me into what I am today in a certain way, like I'm not really scared of like adversity. I'm not really scared. And when, like, obviously like as a straight white male, I don't know what adversity is. If that's what you're thinking, fuck you, I don't care. But I know like I don't have a problem putting on my rollerblades and skating down the main street of Bunbury. You know what I mean? And obviously like I have a supreme confidence in my ability and therefore that carries me a certain amount. But I know there's a lot of things that people enjoy doing and that are confident doing that wouldn't do it down the main street of a small town. I think that the other side of this though, if I had been say a good footy player, I know that I would have gone to the AFL. You know what I mean? Like that's such a silly thing to say. If I was a good footy player, I would have gone to the AFL. If I had started doing footy when I started doing skating, I would be in the AFL by now. Like it's, it's that simple. It's that simple. I know. I'm saying these crazy things at fucking four o'clock in the morning and you're probably sitting there as a footy fan going like, you don't know what it takes. You don't fucking understand. And the answer is I do, you know, like I I basically do. I'm sorry, but the thing that I was doing in speed skating was like I was, it's not like I was there, but I was making the decisions and doing all the things to be a world champion. I wasn't fucking around. So when it comes to like, you're telling me that to be an AFL player, to play Australian football, there's like how many teams and how many people on each of these teams So you can times the amount of teams by the amount of people and that's how many people are world champions in football because to be just to like to get onto the team and play the team and play on the team you've made it and then you go oh yeah but you can play one game we can play 100 games and you know there's only one Ben Cousins or there's only one fucking Nick Nat Nui or you know whoever you want to fill in the gap with but the reality is once you're on a team and you've played one game then you're officially in the AFL. You know, but to be a world champion in speed skating in your particular event, there's only one of them. There's fucking 10 people who start the race or there's 100 people that start the race. There's only one person who wins. And in my eyes, it's like if you're an AFL star, even if you don't kick all the goals or do all the fucking dancing, whatever they do, you're still in the AFL. So to me, it's like I get that like apparently every Aussie kid is trying to be an AFL star. But honestly, if you want to do it and you don't end up in the AFL, like, man, there was literally hundreds of positions you could have taken in this country and you didn't get any of them. You're probably not that good at AFL. Well, you're probably not good at sport in general. And also, I know I'm saying some crazy shit right now, but this is the thing. You can decide right now if you want to, like, I know it seems bizarre that, like, Probably not for me right now. If I wanted to go to the AFL, is going to make a huge statement then. But what I'm saying is if there's something crazy that you want to do with your life still, there's still enough time to do it. There is still enough time to do it. And that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying now isn't uneducated shit that's coming from nowhere. It's coming from a place of supreme confidence from executing so many solving of problems that now I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter what the problem is, I can solve it. 
And this is the thing, like I didn't realize when I was that age, when I was being a speed skater and all the rest that I was someone who solved problems. I was so busy and in the depths of solving problems, I was sharpening the sword that it was only going to be something that I could realize retrospectively after the fact. And now I realize that if I had have been in the, in the situation of football, if I'd have been in the situation of soccer or in the situation of basketball, I would have progressed and got better and been competitive just the same way I was in speed skating. The reason that I won races wasn't because I was a talented skater. It's because I'm a fucking animal when it comes to competition. You know, it's like you put me on a field and you say that the skills are your ability to accelerate fastly and your ability to catch a ball and your ability to kick the ball and your ability to communicate with other players without using words, just using body movements and all the rest. Yeah, I would have got good at that. I got good at standing on fucking wheels and going fast in a skin suit. Football is child's play. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's one of those things where most people are like, no, you don't fucking understand it. Honestly, like the sort of person that says that is a sort of sort of person that can't do it themselves and therefore they can't see me doing it. But the reality is like they could do it if they had to just fucking tweak their mind a little bit. If they had made that decision as a child to like, fuck yeah, I want to be the best at something or I want to be, you know, I want to beat that person or I want to be, you know, I remember this is, this is a thing. How's this? I haven't, I haven't actually thought about this, let alone brought it up for years. But I remember when I was up until about the age of 15, I used to be like, not a short fat kid, but I was like, you know, I remember there was a joke that I had like an S bend. I had the stomach on the front, the little booty on the back, because I've always had a bit of a booty on me. But I remember like, I just got to a point where I'm like, I don't want to be fat anymore. You know what I mean? And like, when I say fat, like I wasn't fat, fat. I just had the tummy on me. I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't want to be fat anymore. Like this little tummy that I've got, like, I don't identify what this is. So I'm going to try and get rid of it. And every night I would do fucking sit-ups, just sit-ups. I would lay next to my bed and I would keep doing sit-ups until I couldn't anymore. And it got to a point where it was a numbers game. I remember one night I did a thousand sit-ups in one night because I just got to the point where I was like, oh, there's something in the way. There's something I can feasibly do about that thing in the way. And the only thing that's stopping me from doing it is my idea of doing it. So I just did it. Now, tie that into having a growth spurt at exactly the right time and also continuing to do these sit-ups for nights and nights and nights and nights. I got to a point where I wasn't fat anymore. You know, like I just kind of, I stretched up, the tummy disappeared, it was gone. And I had that connection of like, okay, I had a problem. I came up with a solution. I executed the solution. And now I don't have the problem anymore. You start looking around and you go like, what else can I do? What other problems do I have? And what other solutions can I come up with? I remember thinking like, I used to get paid $5 a week in pocket money, right? And you do little things around the house to earn this pocket money. And then all of a sudden there was like, there was a goal of like these shoes. I wanted these shoes. And now I look back at them, they were fucking terrible shoes. And I remember I, I loved them so much when I ended up getting them, I never actually ended up wearing them. So weird thing. But I remember looking at these shoes and they're a hundred bucks or 120 bucks. They were Holden Racing Team shoes. They were the shoes that Mark Scaife wore when he drove and that. They're obviously like replicas, you know. And uh, I was like, really wanted them. So I said to mum, like, oh, I want these shoes. She goes, we well, can save up for them and get them. So I would do, I would get my $5 pocket money a week and I'd do these little side hustles as well to figure out how I can afford, you know, how I can get an extra 20 bucks here or how I can earn an extra $15 there. And I got to a point where I, I could afford the shoes and I went and I bought the shoes. And I remember on the drive home, I said to mum, like, $100 isn't that much money. You know, like, it's not that much money because I wanted these shoes like two or three weeks ago. Now, two or three weeks later, you know, I, and I only had, say, you know, 15 or 20 bucks back then. And then I generated all this money really quickly. And then I 
bought the shoes because the goal became apparent that I needed to get $120. The only thing stopping me, the only thing between me and the shoes was getting that $100 and going and buying them. You know what I mean? So on the drive home, I'm like looking at these shoes and I love them. I love the smell of them. I can almost still imagine what the smell is like. I, I remember taking photos and shit of them on the kitchen bench with the fucking film camera because I was like, oh, I never want to forget what these shoes look like. You know, obviously don't know where the shoes ended up, don't know where the photos ended up. It's not important. But I remember saying like a hundred bucks isn't that much money. A hundred bucks isn't that much money when it's got a payoff. And I'm like talking to mum about this. And then I was like, oh, a thousand dollars is only 10 times a hundred. So I just need to do what I did before times 10. And I'm thinking about this as like a 12, 13 year old. You know what I mean? I know I didn't have a job yet. And I know I was 13, 13 or 14 when I got my first job as a stable hand. I remember thinking like, so obviously I didn't have a job because I was making like 120 bucks a week as a stable hand. So obviously it, it was before then, otherwise I would have just worked one week and then went and got a job. And I remember that like, so this is like, you know, at 12, 12 or early 13, maybe even 11 going like, fuck man, like a thousand bucks isn't that much money. It's just a hundred times 10. And I just made like over a hundred dollars in, in these couple of weeks. And like being able to then process that into like all of a sudden a hundred dollars was just an amount of money before and obviously at that age a hundred dollars is fucking heaps of money a thousand dollars is unfathomable and a million dollars is the most amount of money in the world that's the kind of mind state that you're in and all of a sudden it's like wow i set a goal and i achieved it and now the process of achieving that goal doesn't seem so difficult and now when i take into consideration that that goal times 10 is only that amount of effort times 10 now that thing that, that you would get times 10 is now so much more recognizable and achievable. And in that, you then start to build confidence in your ability to set these goals and to achieve them. I guess like the fact that I'm saying that I did that 11 or 12 or 13, whenever it was, kind of explains why I'm happy to put my neck to the breeze as far as taking risks for black ink now is because I realize like, oh, the thing that stops me from achieving my goals is my imagination telling me all the things that could potentially happen if I do it and it doesn't work, right? You can listen to that. And I feel like everyone listens to that. The things that help me achieve my goals are the reality that if I do this right, it's going to make more than a thousand dollars. But if I do this so right, then a hundred times a thousand, a thousand times a thousand, whatever you want times a thousand then becomes a possibility. It's like translating that that thing that I see in my mind where no longer is like the little bit of failure scaring me, but it's like the little bit of success is now so tasty that all I can imagine is amplifying that so much that there is no ceiling on my business anymore. And now I realize that is the potential of what I'm sitting on. And therefore there is no other option, but to execute these little goals that I have to do every day is to do really well at every single task that comes up and do it a hundred percent of my ability. And just like that, I fucking full circled the full podcast how the fuck is that? Huh? It's 10 past four in the morning and I just full circled my fucking podcast on a Friday morning. <sighs> Again, I'm sorry if my fucking shitty voice or maybe I'm not looking as fresh as I possibly could, you know, but it is what it is. I had to get it done. I had to do it for you. I had to do it for me. I had to do it for Black Ink. I'll tell you what else I have to do for Black Ink today is make sure that all of my setup is ready for tomorrow. I'm fucking... I'm as excited as I am nervous to go to the Perth Motorcycle Show tomorrow with all these. Um, I've got all the clothes ready. I've got all the tags sewn in. I'm going to have some scrunchies for sale there. I'm going to have jerseys and hockey jerseys, motocross jerseys. I've got a selection of t-shirts. I've got a selection of crop tops. I've got a couple of hoodies that I'm taking. 
And this is the first time I've done like a pop-up event. So I'm really like, I don't know how to feel about it. I'm also excited because all these people that I've met like on Instagram and all the rest for the past, you know, like eight months that all live up in Perth, you know, people that have bought Black Ink and support the brand that I've never met before. I'm going to get to meet all these people in real life and hopefully get a heap of cool videos and photos of people and have something to talk about next week, you know? So it's just a... Today's one of those things where I'm just going to go through everything three or four times, make sure I have everything I possibly need, set everything up, pack it away so I know what that process is. That's the thing. Like, I feel like it's easy in the situation I'm in right now to like double down on the point that I've made just before I check out here. Uh, you know, it's easy today to just pack everything in the car and go like, right, it's all there. But the thing that actually needs to happen is like set up the marquee, put the wall behind it, set up the banner so that it fits properly. Make sure that the clothes racks fit underneath. Get the right desk. Get the right chair. Make sure you've got your power cord for your laptop. Make sure you've got the square fucking payment reader. Make sure I've got a bit of cash so that if people want to pay cash, I've got change to give them and all the rest. It's like going through the actual running procedure of what's going to be happening tomorrow here at home just as like a trial run through sort of thing. And it's super easy to like, if you're in my position, to just skip over that and just chuck all the shit in the year and go, ah, we'll make it happen when we get there. But also like... If I'm going to do this properly, like if I'm even going to put the bullet in the gun as far as doing this show tomorrow, I can't do anything less than run like a, a fucking trial walkthrough situation today. Otherwise, what's the point of even going? Why did you get the marquee? Why did you get all that stock to sell? Why would you do any of that if you're only going to half fucking do the job? You've got to fully fucking do the job and know that the job's going to be done properly and do the job properly and be proud of doing the job properly, you know? You know... Isn't it funny? Like I, I actually have like clear memories in my mind of being embarrassed about doing things properly and that people might see me someone like, oh, look, he's trying hard. He's putting in effort. Yeah, dude, it's sexy as fuck. It is. Like if you're going super hard in something, like people pay attention to that. And especially people who are like, if you have friends that are your friends because you're interested in the same thing and they see you going hard at the thing that they're interested in, it's like, fuck yeah, man, he's out there getting it. I wish I could be like him. And if it's someone of the opposite sex or someone who's sexually attracted to you, that is uh, fucking so, uh, what's the word? That's, uh, it's undeniable, you know? Like it's so, it's so cool to see someone getting into whatever they're doing and just like embodying it and becoming that thing. It's like, fuck yeah, you be the black ink guy. You know what I mean? Like you run a tight shop. You you show me what you, the potential that you've got, everything that you fu- can, can fucking do. I'm getting excited. I'm, I'm being a bit lost for words, hey? But look, this is my this is my quarter past three a.m. podcast trialing for the first time. Who knows? This might become my new time to record because I actually found that I got on a really good couple of waves there and just kind of rode them out talking about what I was thinking about. And again, came into this shooting from the hip with no idea what I was going to talk about. So hopefully it looks okay. It sounds okay. And I actually gave you something you can go away and think about. If not, I'll fucking do better. Okay, that's my promise to you. I'm always progressing. If you haven't already liked and subscribed, do that for me right now. That includes YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And I know it's not subscribing on there, but you know what I fucking mean. So just go do it. All right. Otherwise, if you're coming to the Perth Motorcycle Show, I shall see you tomorrow. And if you're just going to, if you're anyone else, I guess I'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks for signing in. I am fucking out. Yo!